I had one group, it was a restaurant company, and they were they were trying to reinforce some of these service principles and they wanted everybody to buy in and they and they just couldn't quite get there. And their their culture committee, I'm not sure who came up with the idea, but I thought it was a great idea. They they divided all the, the servers and the people in the back of the house uh, in the restaurant and they put them into teams of five. And then they say the team of five that has the best score in these areas, you know, attendance, no cash errors, all the performance indicators, um, but also customer compliments. The team of five that has the best score is going to get, I think they got like a hundred bucks each. Uh, you know, it was a pretty good prize, you know? Yeah. And um, the day they started the contest, everyone was like, well, who's on our team? They said, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord. Welcome to the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Our guest today is a former leader at Southwest Airlines, Jason Young. He learned the value of high-performance workplace culture there, a place where people can do their best work. He's the author of both The Culture-topia Effect and Service-topia, and a speaker that we have booked for years and years. So, Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Brian, it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Um, so, you know, you started out at uh, Southwest, so I'm curious to know, how did you begin there? And then what did you learn? What's kind of your own personal Southwest story? Well, I, I graduated from college and I was interviewing with uh, all the big companies. I had a marketing degree with the sales, sales management focus. And uh, I uh, had a first cousin who was working at Southwest Airlines. And every time I would talk to her, she said, JC, you just need to come down to Southwest and interview. You would love it here. And, uh, and so I went down, I interviewed and um, was, was accepted in the customer service role. And then uh, later on, they came back and said, we have a job that you might be interested in. And uh, it was a, a training manager position, uh, customer service training manager. And I, I went down, I interviewed and, uh, you know, I was still working in my customer service role. And, and they called and said, hey, you got the job. And I'm like, how did I get this job? And she and, and the, the big catch on the job was 100% travel. So it would go from airport to airport to airport. And they would, you know, we'd hire the new employees for the new um, operating operation. And then uh, I would do the training side of it for the customer service employees. And uh, I said, how do I get this job? And they said, well, no one else put in for it. And I was like, <laughs> you're kidding me. So I would like to tell you, I was just so talented, but it really was just a perfect timing. And it, 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 after that, I knew that for the rest of my life, I wanted to do people development. And uh, that's that's how it worked. How do you think your life kind of changed from that point? I mean, like, uh, had you done something else? I mean, I'm always curious to know kind of what plan yeah. B's are or what you say, okay, this is how I changed because of this this choice I made. Well, it's, I, I really thought that I might go into coaching, um, you know, having played uh, college football. And then I spent a fifth year as a grad assistant. That's what they call a grad assistant coach. And I loved it. And, uh, but I also did, you know, I also knew I wanted to get back to Dallas, which is home for me. And, uh, and so coming back to, to Dallas and yeah, I don't know, had I gone to a more of a, a different type of corporation or uh, got into a pure sales role with, you know, a company, um, I sure, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it, but I just cannot be grateful enough the, for my time at Southwest. And uh, I still have those days where I'm thinking, why did I leave there? But I, the, the next, probably the, the, the next thing that I do that was better than that is, is what I do now. And uh, to be able to work with people like you and, and to be able to work with the organizations that uh, you guys placed me with, it's just, I, I wouldn't trade it. It's, it's so much fun. 
So what, why do you think you're so passionate about culture? Well, it's, you know, we spend half our awake life at work and it ought to be a place we enjoy going. And it ought to be a place where we have, um, we're performing at a very high level, but we're very fulfilled in what we do. And, I just, I, um, and whether that be a work environment or a community center or a church, just being in a place where culturally it's supporting everything that you believe in and that you, um, that, that, that opens up your creativity. And, and I just think culture does that. And, um, you know, in the right environment, I think people can thrive. And, and so I like talking with the groups and, and getting them to take a look and say, okay, where are we in our culture? And are there any gaps that we want to fill? Or, or is there something we hadn't even thought of that we want to move towards? And uh, it, it's always great to watch that happen. What are the different cycles of culture? Simply put, I think there's this startup mode, you know, and when, when you start a new job or you get a new, or you get a promotion or you, or you start a company, there's this, this startup mode and, you know, there's no risk, I mean, there's lots of risk taking and then no one's saying it's not my job. Um, and people are trying their best to get things moving, but then you get into this building, recruiting and management mode, and then you're trying to establish your, your culture. And so there's this growth culture. And so we go startup and then we, we, we grow this, this entity and we're trying to do this all in the the mindset of having a healthy culture. And if you want to have a fun culture, you say that right up front. And that if you want to have a, um, if you just want to make money, that's okay too. I, you won't have as much fulfillment in some of those cultures, but uh, you certainly you know, can, can put that as a, as a cultural point. But I think we get to a place where we stop in more of a maturity phase and we stop, we slow down and we say, okay, there's heated competition. Um, our environment has had this this disruption over the last couple of years. What do we do now? How do we pull people back together? And how do we um, how do we establish culture even though we're doing it virtually? And how do we what are the things we put in place to do that? And I think that's what it sends us into a learning culture. And I think that's where we've been. This this whole you know disruption has been incredible. And I know I've had to learn, and I know the companies that I'm working with, you know, they have to learn how to do things differently, how to connect differently, how to express culture in a way that people can stay connected. And I do think it's about connection. And, you know, and that's that's true personally, too. You know, as, as, a, as a father, I had to make some adjustments with my son because I was raised by a military dad. And, you know, I have three brothers. And in our house, you know, my dad kind of raised us like German shepherds. You know, it's like, come sit, stay, shine my shoes, mow the yard. And uh, which is great. I'm so thankful for my upbringing. But I was a little, it was a little fearful for me. My dad was, he was a real strict. And so with my son, I said, I want to, I want to learn how to do things a little differently. I want to create more of a love base, not a fear base. And, um, and I, I actually just went and I got, uh, I talked to a guy who's an expert in that and he gave me some books to read, The Hair Raising Joys of Raising Boys and How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, How to Listen So Kids Will Talk, just fantastic information. But I think if uh, individually or corporately, if we can be in a learning mindset and be willing to go get that research or that that help, um, I think then we can grow. And um, as a matter of fact, one of the things that this guy told me to do, he said, when your th son's throwing a fit, um, now my son's speaking a big, he's six, he just turned 17. He's six, five, two seventy. So you just get a, a read on this little boy trapped in this big body, but he's always been that way. And he would throw these fits. And, you know, when you're in the mall and you have a child throwing a fit, you know, it's just like, Oh no. Cause everyone's looking at you like control your six, uh, your you know, control your 12 year old. I was like, he's only six, you know, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, uh, I go on and on about him, but you know, the guy said, Hey, just do, do me this favor. Just when he's throwing a fit, just ask, ask him to draw you a picture about how he's feeling. 
And, and so he was the one to fit one day. I said, son, can you just draw me a picture about how you're feeling right now? He said, yes. <laughs> and uh, I look at it, it's a big heart with a crack in it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, son, that must really hurt. He said, it does. I said, man. And, it, and it, it totally changed the conversation because I felt like beating him. I did. But you can't do that, right? And I, that's, not the, that's not the love base that I'm trying to create. So same thing in a corporation. Uh, if, if you're trying to reinforce a certain behaviors that are going to uh, end up in higher levels of performance, we definitely don't want to shame and, and punish. And we want to try to create a culture where we're learning and we're growing and we're supporting. And, and I just think it's so critical to, to continue to do that. And it's hard to do because it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, um, you know, you, you got to do it every day and, and sometimes several times every day. And, and that's, that's the, the hard part of culture because it, it never ends. You just, every day we're re reinstilling it in each other in, in the organization. What do you think the most, um, you know, within that culture, what do you think the most productive teams have in common? Uh, well, let me, um, let me cite a, a friend of mine that you may know her, uh, Dr. Jody Hoffer Gattel. And I met her, she did some research at Southwest and she, she researched different industries, but she was looking at how teamwork and she defines teamwork as relational coordination. So how does relational coordination impact performance? And one of the, the key concepts was there's two types of tension we're dealing with every day. There's, there's people tension and there's task tension. Now people tension is defined as anything that could get in the way of me executing the function of my job. So had I had a wreck on the to this morning and I couldn't make this call then um, this meeting, then I would my tension would go way up I, and my performance would drop. Mm -hmm. And you see that with kids, athletes, students, whatever. It, it, as people tension goes up, task tension drops. I, I call it performance tension. As a matter of fact, I was working with a lady in Austin, Texas, and um, she's the VP of HR for a company there. And I said, "How many people work here?" She said, "About half." And I thought that was a great answer because Jody's research shows if when when performance uh, people tension goes up, the performance drops as much as 50 percent. Mm -hmm. and, and so culturally, we want to try to keep tension low and so we can keep the focus. And, and that was the her findings that you can get 95 percent of your energy on customer service, on job execution, on whatever it is that you're trying to do from a performance standpoint. But it's all surrounded in this culture of high performance and high fulfillment all in the same space. Yeah, I love that. And it, just how that melds together with what you're talking about with your son, like you can focus, you know, have that negative type of focus uh, where, you know, you want to, you know, right. up or whatever. And then the other part where it's love and just having the knowledge to to choose between the two, like most people, I don't think, think between the two, but, but cho choosing like how you lead, whether it's a, a father and a son or somebody that's in a leadership role in a team, I mean, yep. it's, it really falls together really well. Yeah. It, in it does, and, and I've seen just evidence of it in, in the workplace. I was working with one group, and there's about, um, they had 10 supervisors, about 90 employees, three station accountants, you know, and, and I was just working with the, the leadership group, the, the supervisor team, and I said, well, what's, what are some of the big issues that you're dealing with right now? What are, you know, help me understand, and they're like, we have attendance issues, and I said, well, where do you think that's coming from, and I said, have you asked your employees? And, and I said, well, give me, give me an example. And they said, well, here's a lady. She's, and they were fully unionized. So they had a progressive disciplinary process. They had to follow it because it was a legal agreement between the company and the employee group. And this lady just couldn't get to work on time. I said, well, let me talk to her. I had a conversation with this lady and I said, can you just tell me what's 
getting in the way of you, you know, being on time. And she said, well, my, my car battery is not reliable. And sometimes I can't get my car started. And I'm like, this lady's going to lose her job because of a battery. <laughs> and so I asked the supervisor group, I said, what do you do? And they, all of them said, buy a battery. And I said, that's exactly right. And I said, but do this for me. Survey your employee group and see if they'll pitch in. Everybody pitches in a buck. They buy a battery. They had their maintenance guy install it. This lady gets back into good standing. She was so grateful. I mean, I've never seen anybody so grateful. And so that's an example of rewarding it. We're not rewarding bad performance. We're just saying, let's give her a, a solution. And it, I just think culturally, that's a cultural issue to, to, for me, that we're, we're looking to help people solve these problems, not, okay, you're going to get fired. You know, it just, to me, it just was a great example of a, a culture of, of love, if you will, or of, of gratitude and help. Yeah. And one thing I, I know you talk about this too, is sort of uh, how generations play into teamwork. I know that's always shifting, but how do you see uh, the best ways that cultures can work uh, when it comes to generational teamwork? Usually, I think the best approach is for us is it's relational coordination again. It's it's me understanding what are the what are the touch points for each each group, and not everybody's going to be the same. I mean, I'm an Xer, but I might act I might act more like a a Y or whatever. You know, just uh, uh, you know, the, but as you know, there's four maybe five generations now in in the workforce, and and we all respond differently, we all act differently, and uh, and I think you just put things in place that are going to um, best meet the needs of that particular group. I was working with a restaurant group. They couldn't, they couldn't get everybody to fill the shifts. And they were, I said, okay, let's figure out what's the average age of your servers, uh, whatever, 18, whatever. And, um, and they came up with the eyes as facilitating us. I said, why don't you just put like four servers together, give them a scope of work and tell them that they have to figure out how they're going to fill that scope of work. It completely resonated because now they're texting, they're getting, they're making sure everybody's covered. You got this shift, I got this shift, and all those problems went away just because they gave us a little bit of control back to the employee group um, on how they were filling the shifts and how they were relating to each other. So, there's I just think there's a lot of ideas across the generations that we can use, and I won't turn this into a training class, but uh, I think the more we can understand. Um, the different generations and how we can put things in place so they can work together. Again, another cultural issue, teamwork issue, and, and really an internal service issue because you know the level of service we give externally is only going to be as good as the level we give internally. And so we want to look for ways to pull people together and, and not separate. You beat me to my next question. So I was, <laughs> so uh, that's pretty, that's on cue. We didn't plan this. But no, you, can no, you explain the difference between internal and external service and how they play, play off each other? I've heard it said in you know, my time at Southwest, I've heard Herb Kettleher, God rest him. Um, I heard him say at almost every shareholder meeting, if we take care of our employees, they will take care of our customers. And this, the, that's where the phrase, the level of service we give externally is only gonna be as good as the level we give internally. And, and so you put things in place that, are, that serve your employees. I'll give you an example from Southwest. Southwest, um, the Department of Transportation, the DOT measures on-time performance, baggage handling, um, you know, and, uh, this on-time performance issue was such a big deal for an, for an airline. Southwest said, well, how can we lower tension, make it um, encouraging to come to work on time and to make sure that we put an emphasis on that? And so they put a policy in place that 
for every quarter of perfect attendance you have, you got two standby tickets that you can give to anybody. Now you're supposed to come to work on time? Yes. But internally, we can serve our employees by giving them something that's going to reinforce the performance that we want, but it's also going to give them something. Hey, my brother's got airline tickets for every Christmas, you know, and they were stand, they're standby tickets. So we yeah. call them standby because you can never get on. But it, <laughs> but it was just, I mean, what a, what a cool way to serve your employees. You know? And there's hundreds of ideas over different companies that, of things they do to serve internally. The byproduct is now I'm going to be, on, not only am I going to be on time, and that means our customers are going to be on time, which that's a big deal. So it's a, it translates right into what is the customer outcome? What do we want for them? And um, so another thing they do is we want our customers to have fun. We want to keep people tension low so we can focus on performance. Well, flying is stressful. And if, if you fly like I fly, it's it's stressful. And so people like Southwest and there's other carriers that do it too, but they try to lower the tension. They do it by humor, you know, or they want to take care of a rough situation. They make a joke out of it. Um, I was on a flight and we had a really hard landing. I don't know if you've been on a hard landing, but they are just disturbing at, at best, you know. Um, and, you know, there's a white knuckle moment. There were some screams, you know, we're coming in with the side winds. And so we're rocking and we finally get on the ground. And, and, and then if you've ever been on one, there's always this eerie silence that happens right after. And everyone's what just happened? And right then the captain comes on, he says this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't your fault. And that wasn't my fault. That was the asphalt. <laughs> and right there, we did, there was not one complaint from anybody after that, that, you know, that joke to turn that rough situation into something where the tension came down and people could laugh. And you know, I just think there's, you know, laughter is such good medicine. You know, I just don't think we think about it enough. And I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I like working around fun people and I like, that's why I love you guys. Y'all are fun. You're honest. You're, and that's, that's who you want to be around. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, who do you like to, who, let's look at a party. Who do you want to be around at a party? Positive, fun, energetic, enthusiastic people. Yep. I mean, you don't go into a party and go, Hey, an angry guy, maybe he'll explode. You don't. <laughs> wow. She looks really miserable. Sit with us, ruin our night. You don't, you don't go into a social environment and do that, but I watch people go to work and do it. They'll go into work and be a angry, miserable, and, and it's just not worth it. Life's too short to live that way. I also found out life's too long to live that way. <laughs> Another thing you talk about that's a bit unique is the culture score. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, culture score is just a, um, it, it measures, you know, seven, seven behaviors uh, that predict a, um, a healthy culture. And then there's also seven like attitudes um, or beliefs. And um, again, for the sake of time, I won't go into all of those, but it, it's just a simple employee survey. We can, you can do it by work group. You can do it by an entire company. You can do it by a division. We can do east, west, north, south. Um, and you can get a, a feel for where the employees are in terms of how they feel about you know, the supervisor support and the existing policies and procedures and all these things that play into um, how I feel and how I, um, how I feel about the organization and how I, how I think they feel about me. And, and so if we can get a read on that and then, and then every now and then these gaps will pop up and we'll say, okay, let's focus in on this gap. But, you know, you're scoring over here and what I, it's coded into, you know, red where you don't want to be all the way up to green, obviously where your culture is healthy. And so then you can go back and look at, okay, here's, here's some things over here uh, under supervisor support. Um, 
that we may want to take a look at. And, and so it's just a, a quick, it's a, it's a quick, easy, um, you know, online survey that you can do and it, it'll kick back results. And then uh, typically, you know, I will, I will debrief or uh, my, my other partner here, Kurt, he, he, he goes in and he does a lot of those uh, debriefs as well, but um, we find it very useful. And, you know, if, if you want a healthy culture, you got to know where you are first. You know, it's kind of like, kind of like health and fitness, you know, I know where I am right now and I got work to do, you know, so <laughs> I need to get out there on my bike like you do and, and, uh, you know, get on, get back on the, on, on the health kick. Uh, same thing with culture. We want to, you know, if there's some places that aren't healthy there, let's, let's look at it. Let's be honest about it. And then let's get a plan to get going again. Switching gears a little bit from culture to service. Um, you know, service is changing quite a bit now. A lot of questions I get from clients are like, how do we meld hybrid service? It's not all in-person, it's not all online. Um, uh, what do you, how do you see customer service changing um, in kind of the, the format that we find ourselves now? You know, there's moments of truth, which are all your customer contact moments. And a lot of those used to be in-person. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you wanted to go buy a movie ticket, you had to go up to the box office and you had to talk to somebody and you had to do an exchange of, of payment for a ticket. And we don't have to do that now. I mean, you can reserve your ticket, you can pick your seats, you can do all of that. So it shifts. So there has to be a really good online experience. Um, and uh, like uh, a call center, call centers now have changed into a customer service contact center that you're not calling them up to say, I need you to, you know, I need you to help me walk through this. Or I need um, a lot of that stuff is automated now. There's, it's all online. And, and, you know, if I, if I book an airline reservation, I don't ever call anybody. If I book a rental car, I, I just go online and do all that. So the exchange I have when I do have that moment of truth in person is critical. You know, we've, we've got to make sure that, that those, those things, and I think that's a training issue. And it's also an ongoing developmental reminder that this is the most critical part of our exchange. This is the moment of truth that matters because my perception of an organization oftentimes comes with how do I see them treat me and others as I experience their in-person. Now, on the phone is important too. I'm, I'm not saying, but online, you just have to make sure your system, your online experience is, is great. Um, but I do see it shifting away from the traditional roles that we used to play in customer service uh, into now it's really much more of a, a, a connection, uh, a customer connection thing. I like the word connect, you know, so we can keep people connected uh, to each other. Uh, and that's, that's been the big thing uh, with the internal service in terms of the virtual um, world. I mean, you know, we don't want the, that virtual management to be a culture killer. We want to make sure we can get, you know, people still stay connected, uh, even if it's via zoom or or whatever if i'm still going to let people work virtually great but let's come together at some point um and celebrate or let's come together and and get to know each other you might put your name tags back on so we can remember each other but at some point i think those things are shifting and um and i think the idea of service topia you know you want to make sure that you you're you, you've got the processes and, and everything in place so that we can maintain those connections what are the most common pitfalls for, for excellent customer uh, that I guess go against excellent customer service? We put things in place that don't make sense for the employee or the customer. Mm -hmm. right? So we're, we're putting a detail or a, a step in the customer service equation that doesn't need to be there. Um, and, and I think that's where it gets frustrating. It's like, you know, I, I just want to check in for my flight or I just want to 
you know, I, I just want to order and, and have my food delivered, you know, and, and sometimes we put a step in there that doesn't make sense. And sometimes that's, uh, they put a technology step in. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but I've gone to restaurants and I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I think used correctly or used efficiently, but sometimes I'm trying to figure out how to order. And then I want to ask a question. Oh, no, no, you have to do it through here. And I'm like, I just got a question, you know, (laughs) sometimes I think we're, we're relying on things that that get in the way of the interaction. And I, I think that's what we need to, those moments of truth are so important because I know that people value customer service and companies value customer service. I know there's really good intentions, but it's how we behave towards the customer because the outside looking in my perception is going to be about how I see you treat me and how I see you treat others and how I see you treat each other, uh, um, your employees. I mean, it just makes a, a big difference. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I answered all your question there, but yeah. it's, I, I do see it changing, but I think those moments of truth are what make the customer experience. And I think that's that's the interaction that we need to focus on. So, uh, you know, kind of moving forward, like looking at the future of work, what do you think companies can do now in terms of service and culture to set themselves up for success in the future? Start focusing on it. Right? We take a step back and say, okay, where are we now? It's just like the, the health equation. Where am I now? Where do I want to be? What, um, where, do, where does our, our employees want to be? Um, I've, I've worked with a lot of groups and they've set up culture committees. And there's like, where do we want to be in the future? Um, and and I've, I'm on certain, several culture committees because they, they said, come to our meeting. I said, okay, didn't call, you know, they don't, I don't charge them. They don't, you know, it's not a, a, a business transaction. It's like, hey, we just want an, an opinion from somebody who um, works around, you know, different companies and different cultures. And, and that's, it's an employee owned committee and they invite guests in, they invite customers in and the entire reason for the existence of these culture committees is where are we going? Where do we want to be in the future? How do we want culture to look? Uh, what do we want it to look like in the future? And uh, it's amazing the ideas that come out of it and the energy that it produces. And, and they roll off, they stay on one year. And then, you know, so there's a, there's a two-year thing. So one group's rolling off, another group's coming in. And so it stays fresh and, and there's always new ideas. And they put competitions in place and all, all kinds of things to uh, just to reinforce this is who we are this is what we want to do this is what's important now and then this is what we think is going to be important moving forward another quick idea i know i ramble on but i had one group it was a restaurant company and they were they were trying to reinforce some of these service principles and they wanted everybody to buy in and they and they just couldn't quite get there and their their culture committee i'm not sure who came up with the idea but i thought it was a great idea they they divided all the the servers and the people in the back of the house uh, in the restaurant, and they put them into teams of five. And then they say the team of five that has the best score in these areas, you know, attendance, no cash errors, all the performance indicators, um, but also customer compliments. The team of five that has the best score is going to get, I think they got like a hundred bucks each. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a pretty good prize, you know? Yeah. And um, the day they started the contest, everyone was like, well, who's on our team? They said, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> so now i don't know if you're on my team or not so i might go up to you and say put your name tag on you might be on my team or are you really sick you better not be surfing you know yeah. you might be on my team it was i've never seen accountability go up so fast and the whole culture shifted because now they don't care if they let their boss down but they don't want to let each other down 
Mm-hmm. And it just completely shifted uh, to this accountability culture. Um, and it was all driven from the employee group. And I, I think ideas like that are cool. And it allows us to look forward and say, hey, okay, then why aren't we doing, you know, what else are we going to be doing? And why aren't we doing these things uh, on a routine basis so that we can continually reinforce this, this culture of care, culture of service, and, and culture of accountability too. That's great. Well, thank you, Jason, for coming on and, and sharing so much about service and culture and teamwork and and uh, for working with us for years and years and doing an amazing job helping clients. So thanks again for, hey, for coming on uh, the podcast. This has been my pleasure, and it's always good to, to visit with you, and I wish you guys the best. Well, thank you. And for those watching and listening, uh, make sure to check out Jason Young on our website at premierspeakers.com and nationalspeakers.com. And on behalf of uh, all of us here at Premier National, thank you. And thank you, Jason, again, for being on the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.